welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard and thank you for joining us because today or this evening or this morning or whenever you happen to be listening is a work in progress. A quick start on the kickstart if you may. Now a quick start on the kickstart is what happens when we get a creator in who is in the middle of their kickstarter campaign and they um, they come here to have a little chat about it. Tell us a little bit more about the about how the ca- the campaign itself. Tell us a little bit about themselves. So joining me today is Adam, Adam Rayburg. Hello, Adam's Richard. From, Adam's from Adam's Apples Games, you and I'm going to ask I'm going to ask him how he got that name for <laughs> that company. If it took months to think up, or if it just you know, if it was just something that dropped off the top of his tongue. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Are you? That's good. So I'm yeah. excited as well. Um, I've been on some Haribo, so I've had a couple of green ones and a yellow one and some lots of sweets. So I'm sugared up. It doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't mean about 45 minutes in I'm going to go on a major sugar crash. So you're going to have to take over the rest of the show. So I'm prepared. That's good. <laughs> Remember the iTunes joke. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now um, you're here to tell us a little bit about sword crafters and sword crafters is it's kind of a a rather unusual but very very interesting game because it's about taking two-dimensional pieces and making like a three-dimensional sword and i i have never ever seen anything like it in my life good that's what i was hoping for (laughs) So this that is what that is what we're going to be that is what we're going to be talking about. For people who haven't listened before, thank you very much for joining us. The reason that we do this is because we there's quite simply there's not enough podcasts out there about board games. And the second reason that we do this is you got to see this sword because <laughs> it looks amazing. And I just said I saw this because normally it was like oh yeah okay let's see your Kickstarter campaign. Oh, it's roll and move. How interesting. It's like, no, I got a, I got a sword. And it's like, I look at this and it looks fantastic. So I had no choice. I had to get Adam on to talk to him about, you know, I, I, I had to, I have questions. Basically. Good, good. Lots well, it, and lots and lots of questions. It's it's a edgy design. Um, and I apologize, you know, in advance if I use too many puns when I talk, but uh, it's it's what I like, so. Podcast over. <laughs> okay. Um no, but before we talk about the um before we talk about the Kickstarter campaign itself, we as always we do like to have a little bit of a chat about your good self, you know, find out a little bit more about you. As we say, we like to um we like to stare at the um the cut down enemies of the past before looking at the hilt of the present and staring at the edge of the future. Wow. You nailed it. There you go. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history, sir? Good sir. How did uh, you get into the hobby? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, uh, as a, you know, as a young and whatever, played played board games. Um, the the classics, though, and uh, went, went to... Um, you know, through the years was always a video gamer, really transitioned into video gaming maybe for like 20 years. 
Oh, right. Got okay. really into it, into like land parties in high school. Like my my friends and I, we'd schlep our computers over to someone's house, and some of these land parties would would last like forty eight hours plus. We just <laughs> cranking through video games. It was hot, sweaty, smelly up there, but hey, whatever. Your kids having fun, and you're you know, you're playing the the latest, probably potentially a pirated video game at the time that we were kids. We didn't have any money. Um, what what were you playing? Uh, all all over the place. So it was anything from RTS like uh, you know Command and Conquers, Starcrafts, yeah. um, all the way to you know the 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 high um, high skill um, Twitch shooters like a like a Counter Strike, um, and you know and, and then and then we'd go adventuring on Diablo, and it was all over the place. You know, big war games, Call of Duty. So that that is my gaming history. Um, and ironically, I got into board games again uh, when my parents retired and. Uh, they they brought this this game about they they pitched it as a game about farming. All right. I'm like I'm like okay <laughs> okay. This I'll is see, be... see you later. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, so so we sit down at the table and, and and we start playing and you know sure enough it's Carcassonne and Carcassonne mm-hmm. to this day is is one of my favorite games. Just like it's so cutthroat and if you know how to play the game, like my gosh, it is one of the most competitive games on the market. It's great. Um, and, Who, and who's better between the two? Who was better between the three of you? Was it yourself? Was it your mother? Was it your it father? Was, well, so I have two brothers as well. Um, so we oh. we have a big group. Um, if if the whole family's playing, but it, it's it's usually the mother. You know, she's uh, top one or two always. Just gotta watch them. They'll be yeah. thinking. They'll be thinking. She's maybe not gesticulating as much as everybody else and making noises, but when she lays down those tiles, boom. Well, and it's about you know choosing like choosing your ally, and then knowing when to um, you know like like knowing how to bridge two allies as well, and knowing like kind of when to flip the switch and say, all right, now I'm going to go for those points and yeah. cut cut you out of the game. Right, you were really nice to me before, but now now it's time to cut you out of the city, my city. <laughs> Has there been um, are there any flip the table moments? Any moments of course no, We throw caused... pieces. We don't flip the table. No, no. There's not been any quiet moments after dinner. No, <laughs> well, no yeah, music. awkward quiet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that is that is almost standard. I mean, it, it usually. I mean, it, we, we play usually over a beer or two, right? So it's a it's a pretty um, casual event, and it's it's not like we're recording scores or anything. But um, it does get cutthroat and competitive because we played it so many times, and it you know it tends to take a little bit longer because you know everyone's analyzing all their moves. Yeah. You know how many pieces are in the box, and so you're, you're really, really thinking about what's the best placement based on what pieces are left. Do you have to change your strategy then when you're playing, or do you... Uh, the strategy changes the most when you change player counts, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it's it, it kind of evolves from like, a, hey, we're doing, like, make make one ally for cities to yeah. um, something that's a little bit more farm intensive or road or monk intensive or monastery intensive. <laughs> yeah. So you got into that. Was that yeah. the start of you kind of embracing the cardboard then? Yep, you got it. And uh, at the same time, um, I was I was coming out of college and I took a career in packaging engineering. Oh, right. So okay. it's it's what I do on a day to day basis. Like I, you know, I I'm designing structures and managing, um, you know, printing and. And, and graphics and design like all day long and so this this is such a great um bridge for creativity for me like i 
like I'm, I'm very restricted in my career path of, you know, what you can design for the brand that someone else is making. But when you're yeah. making your own brand, you can go hog wild and you can put anything in you want. You can make a damn sword if you want. It's amazing. <laughs> you know? Do you, I mean, is it, is the kind of job that you're doing, is there a, is there a distinct, is there a little bit of a lack of creativity in that? Is there only certain things? Do you get like a branding guideline to say that the, you know, this must open this way. It must have space for this here. It must have space for the logo here. We double pack this. We triple pack this kind of thing. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more on the, the, the creative side of it still. And so, oh. it, you know, I will, I will bring new ideas, new suggestions to the table, but there are a lot of inputs at play. So a lot of times there is a brand guideline that will say, Nope, can't do that. Like for example, I, I have a, a, a box designed for a watch. Uh, and one of the problems with watches is in, in their, like, like, like they're like high end retailers. They're, they're in like glass cases. You can see everything, but in the um, yeah. middle, middle to lower end retailers, they're not, they're shelved in boxes. And so it's really tough to see the back of the watch. And so I made this box uh, and it is one of the coolest boxes I've ever made. And it literally has two C's that come apart are hinged in the center. And so it looks like an X wing. It expands and it looks like an X wing. And what it does is you can look and now see and look at the quality of the back of the watch too. So you can see if it's a hinge or a clasp. And so, man, is the thing cool. And like, if I were, if I were a watch company, I would literally make a brand uh, of watches and call it like X-Wing or Helix or something. And that would be my, that would be my power play. I'd be like, this is going to sell the watch. When you made the box, Adam. Yeah. Did you fly it around in your hand making x-wing noises yes and <laughs> maybe that's why it didn't <laughs> so go over so well <laughs> just like is that what you're sitting down and i said okay <laughs> come on tell us um tell us what you've done for us then adam tell us, tell us why us, we should the use design. this and <laughs> i pick like it that. up and I just go pew, pew, pew. <laughs> exactly <laughs> just like that you know red, red five standing by <laughs> <laughs> You're too close. Pull up. <laughs> and then you can go off and destroy the Death Star. Okay? Yeah. Which, <laughs> as a complete side note, if you've ever watched uh, Star Wars on um, uh, uh, with subtitles on, oh my gosh, it's hilarious watching the subtitles and the different syllables and letters that they'll use to make all the noises, those sound effects, it's great. <laughs> it's like a little side niche hobby that I have, like Star Wars with subtitles. You watch Star Wars. Have you seen the declass? Is it the declassified versions of Star Wars, where somebody's gone back and they've restored all the original kind of footage? They've actually they're going like bit. It's not what is it? It's something. But they're they're basically taking the original footage and they're restoring it as much as possible from the original negatives and stuff like that to make the film. Wow. Basically, no, I've, I've not game. heard of this. I I guess I'm not that big of a super fan. I'm I'm a fan, of course, like everyone. But wow, that's cool. I don't know watching stuff with subtitles. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's weird. I guess that means that you get, you get the translations. Do you get the same translations when everybody's talking? Do they translate what R two is speaking? <laughs> you, well, yeah, it does not translate what what R two is speaking um, into <laughs> into like English or anything. But it, it yeah. does put like syllables and letters around it. So if you want to do your best R two impression, I would say that's a great starting uh, starting point. Is take that subtitle blurb and try to make it into a word how did you 
How did you get in the subtitle watching? Was it because <laughs> it's not of that the... serious of a thing? Really not. No. But I was on a plane to, to China when when uh, one of, one of the Star Wars was coming out, yeah. and I couldn't figure out the damn system, so I had I had to watch it with subtitles. <laughs> that was good that was to like, see that. This is actually pretty like, interesting. If I ever get called downstairs, like if I'm recording, <laughs> and, and it's like I get like a tap or I get a text. And it's always the damn subtitles are on the TV. I don't know, <laughs> I I don't know how to turn them off because it's one of these things: is you don't just you press it once to put the subtitles on. You're just like, okay, subtitles. It's <laughs> usually an accident too. Let's see, you know, let's see what's doing this. Apart, yeah, like, you know, let's see what's happening. And then, but to get it off, you've got to like press it once, and then you've got to scroll along a bit, and then you've got to press it to off. Then you've got to press it again. So you got to like press it four times to get the subtitles off. It's like so a cheat have, code. It's just, yeah, it is the Konami code, basically. Yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get the subtitles off? Let's up, down, left, right, A, B, start. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, I never I never figured that out. If you want to watch a film with subtitles, <clears throat> you should watch um, you should watch Snatch um, by Guy Ritchie. Um, because, oh, yeah, good film. Because, um, you know, Brad Pitt's character, he plays, he plays um, a travelling family. Um, and they don't when the subtitles come on for Brad Pitt they don't always necessarily put the subtitles for what he's saying sometimes <laughs> they just miss them out so when he's talking along about his, you know, he's talking about getting the curtains and stuff like that for his mum so sometimes Guy Ritchie's kind of putting the subtitles he just misses it out, he just, you don't know exactly what Brad Pitt's saying so it's absolutely fan, fantastic So that's um, <laughs> did you, I mean you can have you continued to kind of amass quite a collection? I mean, are you are your land? Did your land buddies become your board game buddies after a while then? So, oh gosh, <laughs> it's okay. We can just keep going. So what's the dog's name? Uh, this is Gus that you hear. Gus, hi Gus. <laughs> Gus is our spe- Gus is our special guest. Special Gus guest is, is right. Gus is Gus is keeping me in check every time I'm going to say something nasty about his daddy. <laughs> Gus is gonna bark. Oh gosh! <laughs> no, I don't have a, I don't have a dog. I have a very agitated rabbit, and he's just he's all awful. You he's know, awful. <laughs> he is. He will go. Did you end up amassing? Have you amassed quite a large collection of board games now? Yeah, of course. Um, I you know I got a full shelf, and uh, let's see. Keeps it seems like it keeps growing all the time. You know, Kickstarter is always like a, a Christmas. Pre- a, Christmas present waiting to happen, right? Just shows up and you're like, hey, I remember that one. That's pretty cool. I mean, did you, did your land friends, did they move over to the cardboard with you as well? Or was that long, long after? Kind of. It, it has taken a little bit of a, 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 you know, a journey to bring them over to cardboard, but they have. And one of the, one of the ways that that happened was um, my first game, Brewing USA. I mean, obviously, like you're getting, you're getting your friends and family rallied up for this thing, and of course, it's a it's a it's a theme that is very 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 approachable. So people like they're like, hey, yeah, let's let's try a game about craft beer, and that actually worked out really well. I mean, a lot of my buddies jumped on board really quick with that one. I mean, what kind of what kind of games are you playing at the moment? I mean, you've got your own collection that you've got yourself, but what kind of games have you been have kind of caught your eye that have you been playing recently? Um, Onitama is one that has uh, hit the table a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Tosh Kalar recently. So this is these are a little bit too in like the abstract strategy realm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we 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 hit the table with Quirkle a lot, to be honest. And like I don't know why, but that game is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like mass market, right? But it's it's yeah. fantastic. Um, so- uh, King Domino and Queen Domino as well. Oh, King yeah. Domino's magnificent. I could so good. I'm thinking if I had another child, I would probably name it King Domino. Being <laughs> honest, because it's <laughs> such a. I was just I introduced uh, one of my youngest son's friends to King Domino. They're only five, and introduced them to King Domino over the weekend, and um, <clears throat> it was magical. Just they were able to pick it up and they were able to have fun. And it's a game that even my wife will play, and she really doesn't like playing kind of board games at all so i owe i owe a lot <clears throat> to blue orange you know and if you are listening to this blue orange and i know you occasionally do listen i th- hope you are listening that we we really really like the game um what's queen domino like i've heard it's much more gamey it's much more intense yeah much more intense a lot of stuff going on it doesn't have the same um like uh charm i would i guess i would say as as king domino as you know is like what what is there like two component types in king domino there's the tile and and the meeple but well i guess there's the castle too but like that's really all that is and i think that is why that game just is so simple and interesting and easy to pick up and and it's still got some pretty cool strategy involved too so i mean you, you go to queen domino and you're like okay this is very similar to something else on the market but King yeah. Domino, I think, really stands apart. And, um, I mean, I'll, I'll reiterate that. Same, uh, same in Blue Orange. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. Yeah. Yeah, they've become... Yeah, I mean, it just... Yeah, it's just one of these things. It's, it's one of these things that it stays down. It stays off the shelf, and it stays accessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All uh, the time. Mine, it just mine sit, is as well. Just sits there. Just sits there ready to, you know, wait ready to be played, go. you know? You know? And, uh, you know, if you... Um, yeah. And waiting for my cash monies to be sent by Blue. <laughs> but how do you, okay, how do you make the decision and how do you take the step from going from somebody who plays games, who, you know, did a lot of video game stuff, turned the corner, came back into Carcassonne, started, you know, building up a reasonable collection of games. It sounds like you like the abstract games, though. That's I do. You kind of like your jam. Um, is have you have you seen Azul? I think it's called. I I love Azul, love it. Yeah, I don't have it yet, but I I have played it and love it. And the other one I would I would mention out there is Sagrada, is just gorgeous. Yes, that's the stained glass window game. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that that, I... that publisher is in town local, so I I know him and he's he's an awesome guy too. So that's a that's another part of the fun. Is that. Is that who's that? Is that um who published Fl- Fl- that? Floodgate Games published. Sagrada. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. No, I've heard lots of lovely things about Sagrada. I've heard a lot of people crying at the fact that they can't get hold of a copy of Sagrada. Right. Because every single time it, it does, it comes into print, it basically kind of it disappears and and sells. That's awesome. You know, it sells out really, really, really quickly. But, I mean. Going back to my original question, how do you go from somebody who, you know, is building up a collection to sitting down and saying, you know, actually, I, I have ideas, I have plan, you know, I have plans, I have, you know, potential games myself. How do you, how do you cross that line onto the other side to become a creator? Sure. 
uh two two facets of that one the first one was um uh just wanting to start and run a business and so i think most people come into at least in my guess most people come into game design and publishing from the game gamer standpoint and i'm i'm kind of equally uh feet you know in the like small business camp and the the gamer camp um, and, and then the second facet is um started actually uh, down the digital game design path and man 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 is that difficult and so if you need to learn like obviously like like uh, board game design there's game design principles and and mechanics there is you know there's artwork and graphics there is componentry but in the digital realm you have many many more layers of um you know of 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 design and development when it comes to coding and graphics and and particle effects and 2d versus 3d it it just is it's mind-boggling and so if you're trying to learn from the start in the digital setting and you don't know all that stuff that makes the game design aspect really hard to learn quickly and so flip that on its head go, go over to board games you can get your feedback from players and you can make a change on the fly where in a video yeah. game, like you, you need to send out another test batch or whatever, you know, uh, another, um, uh, another version. So, yeah, you have to do a build, you have to register it, you have yeah. to send out all the keys again, you have to allow people to be able to download it. You've still got to DRM the thing to make sure that nobody else is just going to copy it on the fly and send it kind of out there. So, yeah, I mean, I've spoken to, um, a few people now who, started off in the video game gaming space and i mean you get things like game maker pro and things like that which allow people to kind of stretch their creative muscles very slightly and you get people that make some decent games but you still need to have a very logical mind when it comes to putting a game together and it really 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 makes you appreciate um these bigger studios that just have these tool sets kind of sitting there that say okay you want to have a you want to have a section here where the character's running and jumping? Well, here's this tool set you can use kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Starting off from scratch. So, um, out of interest, I mean, what was the what was the kind of the digital game yeah. that you were thinking of? What, what did you think of it, first of all? Good question. Um, so, this was, uh, this was an inspiration based off... Um, Kind of like my my video game roots, uh, you know, thinking back to like RPGs and stuff like that, where um, or 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 maybe more correctly like JRPGs in the video game realm. Yeah. And my idea was that uh, you know, Match Match Three was just starting to get popular at the time, and so I was like, okay, well, what if you put a simple mechanic like a Match Three? Doesn't have to be Match Three, but a simple mechanic to. Um, handle some of those inputs and make them yeah. more fun, like attack versus you know magic item. Like pressing that button in an, in, a, in an RPG was not that fun. It was the other stuff that made that game fun. But what yeah. if you what if you put more emphasis around that and then simplified the rest? And so the concept was uh, it was it was a game that I was working on called Boss Fight, and every week that a new boss would be released and. And you would basically have like a team of fighters trying to take down this boss. And it was a single player game, but there was kind of some fun and interactivity around the, the, the actual battle. And a little little bit of a puzzly nature to it too. So you had to understand what that enemy was doing differently this time, this week. And yeah. uh, be able to react to it and take it down. 
And so once you took it down, it was done. Like you're done for the week. And so I think that that was one of the really unique approaches was that it was like, it's not a subscription model, but it was like, a, hey, we're going to give you, we're, we're going to space out the content and give you really interesting things to think about over the course, like the longevity of this game versus, hey, you're done with, uh, you know, you're done with uh, level eight. Um, we're done with content or now you have to pay to play or whatever. Okay. Okay. I take it, I mean, it sounds like complicated. Did you reach walls with that? Did you reach barriers with that, which made you think this isn't going to work for me or we're going to have to put this to one side or was the logic and stuff like that becoming too complicated? Or did you get a full build done? I did get a full build done. Um, I just It just looked like crap. Uh, I was <laughs> I actually had sent it out to uh, friends and a few family members and this yeah. was like kind of my first time navigating the App Store um, and iOS developer program. And so... I think I still pay like a hundred bucks a year to be you know involved with that because I still have aspirations and, and still come back to the digital development at least once a year for a good month or two. Yeah. And I still am passionate about, you know, working in unity. Uh, but it, man, it takes time commitment, um, and, uh, a lot of effort. And so, especially to get it to look good. Like I, I got it playable and workable and it just didn't look good. It's so important though. I mean, that's half, I mean, even the games that people talk about simple graphics. I mean, I played um, Abzu over the weekend there, which yeah. is like a diving kind of oceanic kind of exploration game. And I won't go any more into it. Um, okay. But it's stunning. I mean, but it's very, very simple. But at the same time, it's very, very stunning. And you're thinking, well, uh, the technical kind of ingenuity to get that running on the engine that it's running on and make it look and act as beautiful as it is, is you know, even the simplest something like that, I couldn't, you know, there's no way I could do something like that. It would, sp- you know, it'd take me a long time. However, on the other side of it, on the flip side of it, you give me, you know, um, some blank, you know, a blank deck of 30 poker cards and some counters and some dice and you know a bit of cardboard I can draw on and I can put something together that people could play within you know half a day or a day you know which is I think that's that's the big difference and the fact is is as the rules develop I don't have to go back and tweak the code right I don't have to go back and play the logic as you say I've got a sharp I've got a sharpie here you know you think that attack does too much damage I'm just going to change it from a I'm going to change it from a what from a three down to a two. Yep. You know that. And, kind and that's of thing. A, that is one of the beauties of board game design, in my, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I um I, I think the other reason too is the pace of the market with digital with digital games is just it's 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 on fire. It's so fast. It's like people are innovating um and and coming up with new um and interesting concepts and the uh, the potential that you're going to be you know a top even like thousand you know, app now is just so, so, so small where I feel like in the board game space, you still have that potential. Um, that being said, man, that board game space, we're moving fast too. So this hobby is on fire. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, there is still, there's still the likes for the little engine that could yes. to still be making a massive splash. I mean, there's still, there are still every single month, there is still one of these games which comes from us you know a relatively unknown developer or a relatively you know first or second time creator that is doing 
you know, five times its funding goal. It's doing ten times its funding goal. It does yeah. more than that. It reaches kind of six figures, and that's kind of what's exciting about the the um, the board game space is that the the ideas are still very much kind of grasped. I mean, you will get surefire, very very well funded campaigns, but it's not un- it's not unusual for okay, Sagrada <laughs> was a Kickstarter campaign. You know, um, could you imagine taking that to kind of retail, st- sticking in front of a retail chain and saying, "Okay, it's a color, g- it's a game about rolling colored dice and making stained glass windows out of it," and folk would look at you going, "Sure." Without having that, you know, t- three thousand backers on Kickstarter, it- it's hard to judge the demand of something like that. You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you you then went ahead and you started creating games and the first one you did was um was brew is it brewing usa you got it brewing usa so um i'm guessing um now i'm just i'm looking at the picture of the box here and i'm just looking at the imagery i'm guessing potentially there might be beer involved there there's beer involved yes you called it I'm a I'm I'm a huge craft beer fan. Craft beer in the US is is just going bonkers right now and it seems like like the big cities are and maybe not even the big cities, some of the small ones too, but um like three, four, five, six breweries opening opening up new a year. And what's so so interesting about the craft beer scene in the US is it um you know, beer in the US people like especially internationally, people people think typically like oh Coors Light, Bud Light, Miller Light, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but this this is like still a niche and it's growing, uh, but it is so local. And so you'll you'll have like someone from Seattle that that loves their B fifty one you know Porter Bomber beer or whatever, and you'll have someone from Minnesota that stands behind their brewery and 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 they just rep it, you know, and like it, it they don't really compete. In a, in, in a nasty way but it, it's just kind of that whole culture builds each other up so it's it's really really cool scene so i mean uh, yeah i mean is that what made you decide because you were involved in that as an addition you know because that was kind of like a hobby yeah um, is that what made you decide well let's mix the two together absolutely yeah you know i i mean you go to brew pubs and breweries and you see board game shelves on the wall and you're like okay we see the scrabble and like the jenga there and you know, Othello and, you know, some, some of like the kind of like old school classics. Yeah. Um, but you didn't, I didn't see a lot of the hobby games. And so I, I kind of had this little like seed in my brain saying like, oh, okay. What if those two, um, you know, like, like, like a brewery and a brew pub is a great place to be hanging out with friends, socializing and what else is great with that board games? You know, what, what if we introduce that, that hobby game market into that, that brew pub brewery scene? And so, um, that like that that is what I think took Bruin USA to maybe the next level. Where if it was just a game about beer, it it would it would have you know it would have been again another game about beer. There's a few of them out there, but this is a game that represents the American craft beer culture and has yeah. 79 U.S. craft breweries involved in the game. Yeah, that was all of their yeah. logos licensed on the card. Um, I saw that. It's neat. Yeah, it's you you get craft beer fans that walk up and. And the game is bottle caps too, so it's it's eye catching. They're like, oh, first off, they go, "Is this Fallout the game?" And I'm like, "No, ha ha, haven't <laughs> heard that one before." No, but I, I appreciate that they like the bottle caps. Uh, and then they then they're like, "Okay, well, tell me about it." And 
like during some somewhere during the explanation i'll say all these things right but but like it'll click and they'll they'll pick up that deck of cards and they'll be like are these real breweries oh my gosh you know and it, it just it clicks for them and they say this is like this is a, just a cool cool product with a ton of blood sweat and tears poured into it no i mean this isn't just putting down i mean this this is um this would have involved communication and conversations with the actual hundreds of breweries themselves. were contacted yeah. uh legal teams were uh, were were put into effect and then to to kind of give back to that whole community and and part of the marketing strategy of it too is every brewery that is involved in brewing usa got a copy of the game and i asked them if they didn't have a board game shelf in their brewery to start one and put some of the classics but also brewing usa on it too so i i think it's just a it, it's a cool way to um start to merge beer and board games but you got i mean this funded and this funded well yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. mean you, i mean you 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 know you went on you had a target of 20 20 grand you went on to do 36 yeah, that, that one was a, a, a big success for sure, especially as a first-time creator. I mean, that was maybe a little bit a little bit aggressive. That being said, it was a little bit different days in the Kickstarter world where, you know, you could you could fund a $20,000 goal on your first first go. It seems like these days it's, it's a little tougher to do that. Yeah, I think there's an expectation. And there's also, for some reason, people have got it in their heads that when you're looking at somebody that's going to fund a project, you got to, I think they look at the number of projects that you've maybe backed yourself sure. as well as the number of ones that you've created. Because I've seen that actually cited somebody saying, nah, I'm out. The guy's not created a project before, but more importantly, they haven't really backed an awful lot of games on Kickstarter themselves. Sure. Which sure. make me wonder if they're aware of how it goes, which is a strange which is a strange real, which is a strange way of doing things, but I guess it, you know, it kind of, I guess you've got to, if all you can do is judge a Kickstarter campaign by the marketing blurb, every single game would get funded, because everybody would believe everything that everybody was saying. So I guess <laughs> you know they look at it as a benchmark and they say, okay, well let's look at other things like you know, social media presence and you know everything like that. Is that going to work for you know? Is that helping kind of like, I guess, get their reputation up? Sure. And, um, you know, I think the personal aspect to like put your put your face on the page when you're a first time creator. That's a big deal. Um, it, you know, really personalizes the experience. If you've done a few of them, um, you know, creators start to get away from that a little bit and just really focus on the, the game pitch and why this game is interesting and different. And and what is like what is drawing you to Kickstarter? A lot of times it's some you know, some exclusivity offering that's not um, available anywhere else, or it's a pricing discount, or, you know, of course you get it early, but um, you, you get free shipping and something and yada, 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 something else too. So, so you move from, uh, you then move from beer to pretzels, um, beer to pretzels. Yeah. So it, you, I, you, I wanted you, to make a second game where I could hold something in my hand, you know, like the subject matter, like the beers in the hand, now it's the pretzels. So yeah. food truck frenzy. Yeah. And that um, that was actually that finished up. That was almost a year ago. That was almost a year ago. Yeah, I like to run and, uh, Kickstarters in January, February because it's cold in Minnesota. Ah, right. Is it American cold? Is it you know? It's, it's not like I heard somebody. I got I got friends in um, in the West Coast that were saying, "Oh, you know, I had to." put a jumper on it was so cold oh, like, it, it's american cold that's i mean we we've hit minus 10 if you you know uh wow okay a few times this year so 
That's pretty impressive. It's cool. Um, but truck off. That again. I mean, that cost actually had a strangely had a smaller funding goal. Yeah, that, and that was intentional. I um, so what happened with truck off is there was an, another creator um, hitting Kickstarter in the same same exact month that we were, no. and they had a food truck game, and they had a bigger audience than we did. All right. And you see that and you're like, okay, well that sucks. That's really bad luck. Um, and they were they were really cool about it. We both, you know, um, we both exchanged messages, made sure each other was aware of what was going on. The the other company was Daily Magic Games, and their game was called Food Truck Champion. Uh, but right. They they had a bigger following than I did, uh, and so what I what I went to do was to fund quickly. So that we didn't stall out and have, um, you know, our, our audience and our backers like making the decision like, oh, should I do one or the other? So we yeah. priced it really aggressive. We put the funding goal really aggressive. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit smaller, compact, more compact game than uh, than Bruin USA. Uh, and, yeah, it just like like that that game is doing well as, you know, as well. So that, I mean, Bruin USA is sold out right now. Um, and I need to think about reprinting and truck off has got about a hundred units left and I need to think about reprinting. And can you get the, can you get truck off on your website then? You can still get truck off on the website and it is also still in like retail and amazon.com's type stuff. But, um, all of my stock and my inventory is gone. So, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. So the six and a half million dollar question. Yeah. You do trucks, you do food. And then you do swords. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this one. Why? Well, I've got, it makes no, I've no got sense. A, well, I mean, <laughs> I okay, I want to right, just as a quick aside, okay, the you know, the Adams Apples games kind of make sense because Ad, you know, apples, yep. cider. Yeah. You know, food truck, apples, could fit in apple pie. I mean, I was the was the name of the was the name of the, the the kind of the company. Was that something that you just kind of went? Oh, there you go. That's it. Done. Or did it, you go through quite a big decision making process? It, to it kind of was uh, a snap decision, um, but after a a long process. And I was looking for help and feedback on a, a company name. And I actually wrote an article about how not to name your company. And okay. it it actually it, it's it's pretty solid article. It gets a lot of traction still today on on, um, on Google. And uh, you know, like there's some common pitfalls, like some SEO things. You don't want to use like numbers um, mm-hmm. instead of letters, stuff like just stuff like that. And like after writing the article, I was like, oh man, actually it's pretty dang tough to to come up with a name. And and you want to be product relevant, and uh, you want to be you know like like one of the things that I, I thought really was interesting was. Um, Especially when it comes to some of the uh, the game lists on like BGG and stuff like that, like a lot of them are alphabetical. And I was like, well, that's interesting. What what if I leverage that, you know, with my name and <laughs> and and then Adam's Apple is just kind of a thing that's a little bit cute, memorable, but not not yeah. too fantasy driven. And so I was like, well, that's interesting too. Uh, I take and- it. I take it. Artvark Games was taken then. Ardvark games was not taken. I don't think it was taken. But yeah, there, oh, wow. there's a lot of game companies out there, and especially with the digital games, like crossing over, like um, crossing over, uh, just company names. It's it's hard to find one that's unique and different. So, okay, okay, but swords, Adam. 
How did we get to swords? Yeah. So how did you get to swords? My 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 concept as a company, my kind of my business plan as a company is is to is to look at themes that are misrepresented in the market and the hipster Americana theme is misrepresented or underrepresented in the uh, board game marketplace, in my opinion. There are some companies that have done it really well. There are companies that are continuing continuing to do it really well. One one of the big ones was um, Dice Hate Me had I, I thought a very good representation of kind of Americana. Um, but they since I believe have gotten um, acquired, uh, and so a little bit less of a presence. And so um, beer uh, makes a ton of sense. Food trucks makes a ton of sense. Where the swords came in was a little mm. bit, a uh, little bit of a fleet of or a stroke of luck, you know, or, or just kind of like an insight. Where we're sitting at Gen Con and uh, Chris and Chris and myself, um, kind of the two, uh, you know, two company. Uh, company founders um, we're talking and we had we had this game that we were thinking about and it actually was called sword crafters at the time and then like it's just been a long convention it's been a very successful convention and we're just kind of winding down and just kind of joking and saying a bunch of things that don't make any sense you know and uh, across from us there was this board game that was like a 3d mountain and uh, those guys were pretty cool. They came over and said hi, and and I think maybe that that thing sitting over there kind of sparked a little a thought in the brain. And so we said, well, hey, remember that Sword Crafters game? Like, what? Scrap out all the rest of like the 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 stuff we were thinking about, like the fantasy, the dungeon crawl, the keys, the treasure, whatever. Like, get rid of it. What mm. if we just made the sword? And Chris looks at me and he goes, Oh my god, that's it. That's sword crafters, you know, and, and so it just kind of started to like put together in our brains. Like you could see us thinking the same thoughts at the same time. And this was literally, literally the fastest game design that we've taken from design to market. Like it was from maybe August of last year and then it's already on Kickstarter now. So it's, it's it was so fast, so racingly fast. And But the, the gameplay and mechanics are really simple and like that helps you test games really quick and be very confident in their quality to hold up against, um, you know, players trying to break them. And part of the mechanics uh, within the game too are, are you know make it really strong as well. I think was good, what was that, Gus? <laughs> That's Gus. You you felt that the color scheme needed to be strong in order to give the right impact to people looking at the game for the first time. Uh, well, we I I, <laughs> I made a choice to do um, uh, kind of a middle of the road fantasy approach, so not too cartoony. Yeah. And also not too high fantasy. And yeah. so, um, you know, thinking that uh, kind of the, the trope of like swords have gems and power and magic, like let's lay into that and then bring that to life with color. That's cool. Yeah. And does, does Gus like it? Gus Gus is a fan. You know, I I don't know that his, <laughs> his four uh, claws can hold the sword, but <laughs> I think he would chew on the sword. He'd well, be that's very good, happy you know, to do that. I, you know, I've, I've often, I don't know if you've ever seen the people that they're playing a card game and they get, they kind of get the card a bit too close to their mouth. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're kind of looking over at them and you're just like, if your lips go apart, mate, <laughs> I'm reaching over that table. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you. But how does it play? I mean, this is. I mean, this is fascinating to me because you're you're literally building a. You know, stop what you're doing. Whatever you're doing just now, while you're listening to this podcast, and click on the link for the campaign and have a look because you're actually building a sword. You're not kind of laying it flat on the table. 
you're not kind of putting components together. It's not like you're putting dice to represent jewels like Sagrado or anything like that. You're physically picking up a couple of bits of cardboard. You're slotting cardboard on the top of it. And you're making yourself a three-dimensional sword. Yeah, it's like standees. You know, like people are familiar with car, uh, cardboard standees where, you know, they, they, they go at 90 degrees, they slot into each other. But it's like every piece of the game is like that. And you're all you're just sliding them all together. And it's like a two-sided or a two-slotted tile. So it's like a super sturdy thing. So you, when it's created, you can actually wave the sword around and it'll stay together in your hand. It's 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 super unique. So how do you play it? I mean, what's the mechanics? How does a round happen? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, um, really, really simple. You start with a grid of tiles uh, on, on the table. And uh, it's either 12 tiles or 16 tiles, depending on the player count. And there is one of those tiles in the, the center that is a first player token. Um, and so on your turn, it's really simple. You just make a, a fully vertical or fully horizontal division. In that, mm-hmm. grouping of, in that grouping of tiles, going from one grouping of tiles to now two groupings of tiles. Each player does that clockwise. Mm-hmm. When it gets back to the first player, then they're picking from one of the groupings that has been cut apart on the table. And so they're like, okay, well, um, there's four tiles here with the, the color of gems that I need, but maybe there's six tiles here you know, with the first player token and less good gems um, based on my scoring needs. And so it's a li- it's a little bit of a set collection, and you know you're, you're choosing based on um, turn order and based on what what groupings are available. Mm-hmm. And then when you pick your groupings, um, you craft them into your sword. Once you craft uh, tiles into your sword, it is final. You cannot rearrange them. So the order that you acquire them is very important. And one of the most most interesting things about this game is is when you craft these tiles into your sword, the first two go in parallel. The second two go in perpendicular. The next two go in parallel. So they alternate orientations. And so when you're trying to link up like the same color gems on one side of your sword, um, you need to think about the pattern building aspect and the 3D aspect of this. Now, how you like? Why do we care, right? Like why? Like how do you win? Um, so there's three ways that you're going to score points in this game. The first one is the longest sword gets ten <laughs> points, right? Yeah. Obviously. The obviously. Second, obviously. The second one is uh, the quality of the sword. It's five points per quality. So the way that you measure quality is you look at all four sides of your sword and you look at the, uh, the, the largest number of gems that are matching and adjacent. So if you have three green gems matching and adjacent, your quality would be three. That's 15 points. Um, if you look at the other side of your sword and you have three yellow gems that are matching, your quality is still three, and, and that is still only 15 points total. If you have the next side that is four gems matching, like four reds, let's say, your quality is actually four, and so you wouldn't count the 15, you'd count, you'd go right up to 20 then. So you count one side only. Oh, right. Yeah, so it's really simple, um, but it, that keeps your puzzle going the entire game because you're constantly thinking, okay, I'm trying to go for green on this side. How do I continue to get green and put it in this location? The third way that you score is called sword magic and it is just a combination of two gem types so let's say green and yellow the person with the most green and yellow would get nine points the person with the second most would get six points the person with the third most would get three points so there's multiple ways that people can win so that means that you've got some kind of strategy oh yeah which allows different kind of play styles as well which i think is really kind of really really important and you also you're aiming for that throughout the game as well so it's not like you get like a surprise 
scoring at the end. You're saying that um, the some of the scoring is based on combinations of of gems. So is that is that part of the scoring? Is that decided or is that random? It's random decided? but decided at the beginning of the game. Everyone knows right, okay. what gems you're going for, and so it it sets up like a competitive level based on the gems. So you'll see this grid, and you'll be like, okay, the black gems are worth the most this game. And mm-hmm. then maybe the red gems are like the second most worthy. And then there's three, two, three or two or three gem types that are the same. And maybe one is like not worth anything. So then you're going to factor that in your decisions. You're like, okay, well, if I want to go for the highest value sword magic, that's great. But that's also going to be the most competitive gem that everyone wants. So if you try to build that into your quality chains, it's going to be darn tough to do that. So... In terms of it, when you've been putting this together and when you've been playtesting it, <clears throat> what's the reaction been like in playtesting it? I guess it's been very tactile. People have wanted to get their hands on the game as quickly as possible. Do you playtest it almost by getting them to build the sword, kind of first of all, I... and then stripping it down and actually playing the game properly? Or I have found that coming, coming to the table with a built sword and kind of just walking someone through the sword uh and and so length quality and magic and then mm-hmm. just instantly jumping into playing and people are competitive the first time around the game is it you kind of can't play it wrong um but it's still very strategic you know like you're making mm-hmm. a cut and there are very very few uh rules in this game which is great you know you can learn it in three to three to four minutes and just start playing real fast and man, it's you see people's eyes light up when they start to find out and start to figure out that pattern building of like things start to alternate. And when I want, if I see a big grouping of like four green tiles in a row, that's really good to get a bunch of greens, but that's going to be actually zero quality. Like yeah. none, of, none of those are going to match up because they the way that they go into sword, it's four tiles per level. So you actually need to go, if you want quality, you need to get one green this time and a green, you know, over the next course of the next four tiles. Has anybody sat there and made lightsaber sounds while they've been using <laughs> the sword? We, we've had a, a few people ask, uh, when, you know, when, when, I, when, when I will get the Star Wars license and do uh, <laughs> lightsaber crafters. Um, we've also had a few people ask when I'm going to come out with a metal deluxe version. And I say, well, that is, sounds very dangerous. <laughs> why you want, <laughs> why do you want to do that? The, um, are the, are the components just now, are they, are they cardboard? I mean, what are they made of? I mean, yep. you know, obviously durability is something that people will be asking about. Is this game going to last after so many kind of slotting together? Kind of yep. games durability is a, is a definitely the biggest concern and risk of this game but um it is it's cardboard and it is an ultra thick like three millimeter cardboard so almost as thick as those king dominoes tiles so it's really sturdy and that's going to come in the base game like that's not a stretch goal or anything like that we know that um to make this game perform uh over the course of the life of the game you know let's say 30 plus plays um I don't know if I've played more than 10 games in my collection more than 30 times, but, you know, like throw out a number. And, and that is kind of the target of uh, how many times we, we need this game to last to be a success. Yeah. Um, if and it have lasts you put- more than that, we did we did our job, you know, and, and just, <laughs> just being aware that in the expectation that this is a different style of game and that your pieces are going to take a little bit of wear and tear as you play. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just... 
it is really as I say as I said at the beginning I've not seen kind of any other kind of game kind of like that um, I mean have you got ideas have you got ideas for expansions I mean this is something that would potentially support expansions and stuff like oh, that yeah. as well it looks like there's actually an expansion um, available day one on the Kickstarter page. In the expansion, uh, so the base game is wonderful. It's beautiful. It is simple. It is elegant. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even think I need to sell it. But it's, it's cool. You know, it it, it works with an awesome, like a, a really wide audience, like all the way down to age six. Mm-hmm. They just get it. You know, it's so simple. But I also know that. Um, there is an audience out there. There's game a gamer audience that wants a little more meat, a little more complexity, and so we built that into the expansion. Right. And it adds four more tiles to the grid, and then also some wild gems. And the tiles are uh, that are added to the grid are called relics. Think of these as like uh, a sword that was um, you know famed in battle for defeating the goblins. Maybe the goblin slayer, right, was broken and. Uh, some of these fragments now are available to pick and choose from in this grid of tiles. And what these t- what, what these relics, these relic tiles have on them, it's different than a sword tile in that the, uh, the, the relics do not get slotted into your sword. Um, but they set up little mini goals that you need to think about to potentially score even more points during the game. So mini goals such as if you get one color of every tile in your sword, in your sword, um, you know, this particular relic is going to score five points. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So you're you're now not only balancing, like, length, quality, and magic, but you're also balancing a significant amount of these, potentially a significant amount of these mini goals. And it, man, it does it check boxes, you know, because you are, you're puzzling now. You are thinking a lot, of, a lot of different things. You're still interacting with everyone else. It's not super AP at that point, but it is puzzling, and, and, and there's a lot of depth and strategy. Okay. How's it been... Um... Was it when you're sending out review copies? How easy was it to? Well, I, I mean, how easy was it to kind of first of all kind of did you get did you get questions straight away about how you were playing it? I mean, were people just like, I I want to review this game. I need to find out as more about this game as quickly as possible. Was there kind of like a lot of general interest? Because you seem to have got. I mean, you've got um, looking at this, you've had I think it's Edo's um from pencil first games he's had a he did a review for that is that right yep yeah he was he was excited about it um i'm, I'm a good friend of Edo's back from a few years ago so yeah. he's and he was like hey you, you never sent me one of your games i'm like i got one coming out he's like bring it over <laughs> so that worked out really well um you know this game came to came to life so fast that the the excitement level has not had time to build i would say the average the average board game comes to life slower than six months of yeah. d- design and development. So this might be one of the faster ones coming to market. Um, that being said, I think, you know, th- this, the intention is that this game releases at or near Gen Con. And so just think of like people walking around the convention holding swords that are also a game. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I don't see how this thing doesn't just get eyes, you know, eyeballs. Like it, it should just have that X factor. Yeah, as I say, it's it's definitely kind of uh, kind of unusual, um, and you can I mean it's relatively well it's kind of in the middle in terms of funding goals on your previous two your previous projects that you've done. Yep. Um, you're looking for ten thousand dollars. Yep. 
and you're over well you're over 60 percent of the way now but you still got a good 26 days to go so this is you know yeah you know and i i think the the press has just started to you know um just started to hear about this one right so i'm to be honest like putting together a kickstarter campaign is you should have multiple people if you're gonna do it it is a ton of work I did yeah. this one, um, you know, with su- support from uh, my kind of my co-founder Chris, uh, but but a lot of the a lot of the uh, the, the muscle work came um, came onto my plate, and so not only was I you know doing a lot of the graphic design, I have an art a fantastic artist artist on the project, um, but doing mm-hmm. a lot of the graphic design. But man, even like prototyping this game was a ton of work. The uh, let me tell you about that for a second. So I ordered copies from um, one of the local prototype shops called the game crafter they do yeah. good work and instead of ordering them with custom die cuts already made in them uh at about 175 dollars a pop because there's a lot of die cuts and i'm like well that ups the risk level of this this project yeah. significantly right a little and, bit yeah yeah <laughs> and uh so i was like okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out a different way so i figured out that if i ordered um you know their their standard square tile, and if I uh, was if I ordered a a bit for my rotary tool, my Dremel, I was mm-hmm. able to make those slots myself. So all these games are like <laughs> oh my built goodness. in my basement. Um, it takes about two and a half hours to make a full set uh, a full set for a game, and I and I even three wow. D printed a jig so I can do it um, pretty pretty consistently. You know where that Dremel like cuts down a straight line pretty well you still got all your fingers i well you know these the dremel <laughs> blades have broken a few times and, and have fl- flown across the room but yeah i have all my fingers and uh i wear safety goggles and all that all that <laughs> still, got bo- still got both eyes i yeah. don't actually look like somebody that really should be carrying a sword about with themselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'd be like i don't know if i want to buy this game it's uh you're missing an eye sir <laughs> exactly i swear it wasn't during the the gameplay you know, I promised my mother I would never buy anything from anyone that just had a lack of depth perception. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, you're kind of, I mean, to get in the door or to get into the forge. Yeah. Um, it is $29. Yeah. And that'll kind of get you through the door if you want the expanded edition. Yeah. <clears throat> but let me get my rid of my chesty cough. You get the the expanded edition. You get the wooden forge token, which sounds magnificent. You get a, a money back guarantee. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Are you like Remington now? Well, I I don't know. You know, you you like the I, I like to take the risk out of a consumer's you know a uh, consumer's perception when it comes to Kickstarter. And the yeah. reality is, is like I I have not advertised money back guarantees on my past two Kickstarters. Gus mm-hmm. will uh, confirm that. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's is he the guy that stands around? He's the commercial and financial director he in the he's business. The <laughs> so you watch what you're saying here, Adam. We've, we've <laughs> talked about this before. <laughs> the reality is, is if you know, and it happened one, for maybe one or two backers, and they just said, "Hey, I can't afford the Kickstarter right now. Um, you know, my credit card did get charged. Do you mind me sending the money back and taking me off the fulfillment?" I was like, "Yeah, totally. That's fine." Um, so it it uh, like you just want to be a good businessman, right? So. I think just yeah. being flexible is, is is fine. Yeah, I think the um, I think one of the things with Kickstarter and one of the things that um, there's ultimately how to say this. 
I think it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a a, re- a retail proposition that has an has a much easier ability to get people's hackles up in terms of the product they're receiving. As soon as there's a slight kind of glitch in the system or a slight road bump or something like that, sure, sure, there are some people that totally just you know they're flipping tables left, right, and center, and I think that's because Kickstarter are quite are quite clear to say, oh well, you know this isn't a there's no guarantee you're gonna get it, you know you you know this it's a reward for kind of making the project kind of come to life. So I think uh, yeah, I mean when you're offering things like that, that's you know that's uh, you know that's good. As I say, it's kind of that's what any let's face it, that's what a normal business would probably do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you buy say, something you know, from a business, like yeah. you know, I'll, hey, if you didn't like it, like you can return it. That's fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's it. And um, and and in terms of just customer service and customer support, I I feel like the the best projects are the ones that truly have um, creators that have the best communication. And that is probably the, the secret sauce for that whole Kickstarter market is if you have good communication and you're able to engage with your, your fans and then um, because you're engaging with your fans, you start to attract people that don't know you. Like, I think that's how people get successful on there. Is that why you're, I mean, you you see Kickstarter campaigns with the comment sections on, you know, maybe on smaller campaigns aren't as busy as you would expect. And yet, here you are, kind of diving straight into your own comment section, kind of stirring the pot and saying, "Yeah, stir the pot, right, right? You know, right, guys, come on, let's get some, you know, let's get some interaction here, let's get some kind of conversation here." And you, you know, you've even said, you know, if you haven't backed us before, this is what we did in our previous, you know, this is what we did in our previous projects to kind of build, I guess, that kind of community, which is an extreme, you know, it's a very difficult thing to do in a very short span of you know span of time yeah i mean a lot of people come to the page once um and 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 they make that one decision and leave but then there's also a lot of people that are are rooting for you rooting for the project they want to see those stretch goals be hit they they want to see um this thing come to life in as cool a form as they can and like they're they're excited to engage you know and they're excited to provide comments and feedback and like it's cool to, to you know kind of curate a friendly community and a respectful community that um, you know, I think that's how you get people on your side versus the the creators that you know kind of let the comments, let 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 the negativity build or let the delays happen or just are not not as quite proactive uh, as the uh, as communication at uh, communication as they should be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are you? I take it you've already you you've got the fulfillment and the manufacturing and everything kind of planned out. You sound like you've kind of leaving nothing to chance. Oh yeah. Yeah, you you really need to. You, I mean, like I, I read someone someone's post on Facebook today. They're like, if you're gonna go to Kickstarter, you probably should write a business plan. I don't know if you need to go that far, but you really need to have um, every single financial detail ironed out. Um, you know, down to the even the possibilities of it blowing up and getting huge, um, all the way down to what if it doesn't, or what if it funds by a dollar? You know, and are are we prepared to take that? Um, you know, level of success as well, because a lot, a lot of people will write lower their funding goal to create a better perception that the, the project is going to fund. No, yeah, I've seen that. No, I've seen that, and some people will actually, if it's a first time, if their first attempt wasn't successful, yeah, then that's what they'll look at doing. They'll look at, um, 
there's the psychology of they say funding within the first five days and if you can get your project kind of funded within you know a certain period of time then um that helps if people feel that they're joining after a certain period of time that all they're doing is they're contributing towards stretch goals right right which i can see you know i can see the attraction in in kind of you know, I can see the attraction in, 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 in kind of doing that. And I have seen, there has been a couple of, um, you know, Leviathan um, with um, with Greg from Pasco Games. Um, they they didn't fund the first time, but they're back in. They lowered their goal and lo and behold, they've not Day only, one they funded, right? Yeah, they funded. And That's I, awesome. It's, yeah, they funded and we're looking, you know, looking forward to seeing how far that kind of, um, that kind of goes because i think there's a psychology behind it to say now well this isn't you know you're not taking a, a punt on us now we're you know this is going to get made it's just a question of whether or not you want to you want to kind of dive on or not right. i mean going forward is there are you like all these other wonderful inventive creators out there that you have your next two or three games kind of out there and, and ready to go and kind of planned? Um, I, I'm probably not quite as, you know, as, as prepped for the next, the next game ready to go. Like I, I'm, I don't think I'm, I, I have the capacity in my life to do more than one to two of these per year. I probably could stretch it to, but man, they take a ton of effort. And, uh, um, but yeah, you know, th- there are games in the hopper for sure. I, and I think if sword crafters, um, takes off in a, in a bigger form, um, then I will look, probably look at that whole crafting idea and say, what else can I bring into that world? Because I think it's mm. a brand that could really grow fast. Like, like a Minecraft, you know, where you, um, like all of a sudden that game was everywhere and, and you, you know, you can do anything in that game, but it's, it's, it's so, it's so positive and you're building and people make artwork from it and like i think this has a takes a lot of those same boxes as like a minecraft does uh where's your apple game at, adam <laughs> uh not i don't have an apple game <laughs> i should though wow, maybe uh really maybe orchard farming really, let's make orchard farming Multiple i could see that. apples cider production I could see that. Uh, th- there is another another beer game in the works right now. It's called Bruin USA Taproom Takeover. It is a light lighter weight um, game that is meant for or, or like like a better intended for um, taproom or pub play. So it's it kind of is like a like like a Splendor style flow to the game where everyone takes a turn and like that turn is your turn and you know there's no phases or anything like that you just go around and around and around until the game's done so it's very simple to learn um but it has a little bit of a dice drafting um element into it and and it's it's neat so it's i th- that's prob- probably the next one on, on the docket for me i want an apple game adam <laughs> i want i want an apple orchard i think that'll probably do well and you've got the choice. You can either spend your turn putting together the cider, which takes longer to do, but ultimately gives you more victory points, or you can sell the apples to the local supermarket or fruit fruit grocers person. That's a cool or idea. Or you can go into apple pie production, That's which allows cool you to produce different kind of apple pies. And the idea is that you have to you go through a planting season, you go through a 
a kind of an uh, a kind of a planning season, and then you go through kind of like a fruition season, and depending on where things go, that's what your victory points are later. There you go. Apple I would play Orchard. that game. Apple Orchard, Orchard Games. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I would. I play that game. I um, I think that it sounds like it would uh, um, it, it would you know hit some of the same like uh, interest points as like a Viticulture did when that came yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what cool. I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Off the cuff. I like it. Hey. Ideas. You wanna you wanna co develop that one? I'm in. Let's do it. Okay. Let's make it happen. Me and John Claire, we're doing Squirrel we're doing Squirrel Valley. He doesn't know that. <laughs> Surprise. But, but yeah, no, he said he said he was meant to be developing it when he was on the show and I was like and he hadn't forgotten about it. That was a scary thing. Because <laughs> I didn't know whether it built up and he says, Oh yeah, I'm gonna be doing Squirrel Valley. I was like, That's my idea. You're not allowed to take my idea. So yeah, yeah, Apple Orchard awesome. from Adam's Apple Game, we're gonna be looking out for that. It's gonna be coming um coming to you February twenty twenty. <laughs> it's a, right it's a that cool we're not it's a, it's a we're not wizards production <laughs> that <laughs> might as well it's going to be a bumper year you um, got my mind racing now that's cool <laughs> um listen thank you for coming on absolutely this is great you know um it's always yeah i mean i'm not just i mean there's things there's certain games that st- that kind of strike a chord in my imagination, and I will be the guy that will be going <laughs> kind of thing if I ended up making kind of like a sword that had all green gems down one side and then all red gems down the other. Yes. Then I'd be I'd be switching between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker impressions. <laughs> Left hand, right hand. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I was talking about that not too long ago, actually, um, on the episode that was released uh, last couple of days. So that's interesting. No, but no, I mean, I wish you best of luck with the campaign. I think that, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and potentially guess that, you know, the funding's going to happen. I think so, you know? yeah. Yeah, just just a slight kind of uneducated It's guess off there, to a good start, yeah. It is, it is. And what we will do, as always, is... Um, you know, we'll make sure the link to the campaign is going to be in the show notes. But where can people find you on the internet webs? Sure. AdamsAppleGames.com. Uh, we're on Facebook uh, at AdamsAppleGames and at Twitter AdamsAppleGames as well. Cool. So we'll we'll make sure all of these links appear in the show notes. That is so awesome. we have notes to show. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, um, then you can find us too on the internet. Um, we are on Twitter, which is We're Not Wizards. We're on Facebook, which is We're Not Wizards. We're on uh, YouTube, which is youtube.com forward slash C forward slash We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast. Um, we are also, we're currently actually also in uh, an insert that comes with the latest board game crate. Ooh. So the wonderful Phil Collins uh, kind of there's a little kind of he puts up there's a little nice little bit of kind of review and some articles and a little bit of a story about what's happening with this month's crate and on the back they mention us and they also mention the unlucky frog uh, gaming podcast which is quite cool so we're quite taken aback by that actually so and so is gus obviously thank you gus um the other thing is as well is if you can also catch us on the normal channels in terms of uh, podcasts, so you can catch us on Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and Podknife and 
You can even listen to us through our website on through Podbean as well, which is we'renotwizards.com. You can email us, which is magic at we'renotwizards.com or .co.uk. Um, yes, we're on Patreon. Yes, we're on Redbubble. Feel free to go and Google them if you want to. Um, as normal, if you really, really like us, any subs that you do on um, on Apple Podcasts are very, very much appreciated. And uh, as we say, as normal, um, if you are going to drop us a rating or even a review, remember, uh, don't give us a 10 because it will make us big-headed and uh, don't give us a 1 because it will make us cry. And I'm not I'm not a very nice-looking crier. Uh, give us a 5 because it's average and uh, we're just a little bit average. <laughs> Um, I will but... do that. <laughs> we kind of need. Well, I don't know. Every time I go into Apple Podcasts at the moment, somebody's put a little star, and it's always been really nice. And I always wonder who it is because you get like different usernames, and it's obviously at the time where somebody got an Apple, an iTunes account at the very beginning. <laughs> and then oh yeah, yeah. Through the silly use, do you know what I mean? So they're kind of like you know, um, they're kind of like Dragon Destroyer. 89 and it's like i don't know who you are <laughs> please tell us who you are kind of thing but that's no, funny it's all the ratings and reviews are much appreciated um but again thank you so much um adam for coming on really really appreciate your time best of luck with the campaign cool thank you so much um there's only two more things to do okay the first thing is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards. <laughs> are we wizards, Adam? Not wizards. Definitely not. We are cardboard sword warriors Ooh. lining up our jewels, lining up our pieces, and making sure we've got the longest and the most magical sword in the land. That's right. <laughs> and the second thing is to say is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Adam. Say goodbye, Adam. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes and check out sword crafters. Simple as you get to wave a sword around. I mean, you get to wave an actual sword around. What more could you want? Go and check out the link right now. But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>